What's going on, everybody? Aaron Nagler here with Cheesehead TV, joined by Mark Oldacres, one of our regular contributors. Mark, how you doing? How's uh, life across the pond? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, it's boring right now. Uh, we were just talking about this just before we started recording, but the, the post-draft pre-training camp period is oh it's a marathon. Gosh. It really is. Like once, <laughs> kind of, once, once you've really dug in on the on the, the players that the Packers ended up drafting and you get excited about right. about each one of them, even if you didn't want them before they were drafted and then they become Packers, <laughs> so you get on board, you know? Um, right. That, that period post, once you've done that, it's like, now what? So Okay, now training camp. Like, Let's go. Well, wait a second. We've got like two months to go. So I thought, what better uh, what better way to kind of head into this part, the stretch of the offseason, than to look at your 53-man roster? Yes, way too early prediction. But uh, what else are you going to do, right? Yeah, we got, like we said, we got months to go here. So uh, let's dive in. Uh, I'll put a link in the description of this video for anybody who wants to check out Mark's piece on the website. Um, it's a 53 man roster prediction. And I, I gotta say, I am pretty lockstep with what you've done here. I, I, they're a, a quibble here or there, but I think you've done a really good job of kind of giving your thoughts as to why it would possibly shake out this way. Obviously so much will happen during camp. So much will happen in preseason games that will change some of these kind of narratives and or thinkings. And look, injuries are a real part of the game and that, that will undoubtedly go about shaking things up here or there but uh let's dive in with your uh your selections here starting at the quarterback position not too surprising you only have them keeping two in jordan love and sean clifford uh, i'll only ask this do you suspect there's still um a phone call to be made as far as bringing in a vet possibly even just as a camp arm i know they do have three arms currently but matt has talked about you know in the past wanting four for camp uh, do you still think that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility, but I think the, the kind of options of who that is is really is really starting right. to dwindle. I mean, no like Blake Bortles out there. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you. like at, at this point, that's kind of the, the level that we're at. And I think a lot of people had maybe thought about Matt Ryan potentially just because of the connection with with Lafleur. I don't know if that was ever realistic that he was going to come and just be like a camp arm, maybe a backup. Um, and then it turns out he's he's now headed to TV anyway. Um, so that's not a situation that's that's obviously gonna that's gonna come to fruition. I think it might be another camp arm, like you say. I think the floor mentioned he he might like to have four, but I think what it came down to here with just keeping the two is, and this could all again, this is this is so far out from training camp. Like Sean sure, Clifford could course. go in there and be absolutely terrible. Like I'm higher <laughs> on him than apparently the rest of the world is. The like, rest I of the world, really. I mean, my goodness, no honestly, doubt. Like, I did not expect such vitriol um, for that <laughs> pick, but right. I think it's one of those things where I don't actually watch a ton of college football outside of when I prepare for the draft. So I think I kind of like missed what a lot of people saw week to week and just got like, just like you, you build up an opinion over time, I guess, of like a guy. Sure. Uh, you watch him for like four or five years straight on Saturdays and it's just not that inspiring. Like, you know, I feel like maybe that plays <laughs> right. into it. But anyway, um, I think... I just have them keep them too because there's other positions on this roster where it's really hard to cut it down. Like there's just going to be so many guys they're going to want to keep. Like, are you really rostering Danny Etling? Like, I don't think so. Right. Unless, yeah. unless Clifford goes in there and it's just, you cannot physically run an offense with this guy, then that, that might change it. That, that might. Um, one of the positions that will need a, a few extra bodies, obviously is running back. Uh, you have them keeping 
three backs in total in, of course, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones. And then you have Lou Nichols making the squad over guys like Patrick Taylor, et cetera. Uh, do you think that's just a case of Brian Gutekunst won his draft pick to make the to make the squad, as we've seen in years past? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we're going to see a lot of that this year, I think, as we go through this. Um, spoiler alert, I don't have any undrafted rookies from this year making the team, which would be, that's like highly unusual for Green Bay. I was going to say, I'd be pretty against the norm in Green Bay, right? Yeah, and I mean, and don't get me wrong, again, like, uh, an undrafted rookie could turn up to training camp and really blow everybody away and they make the team and a guy could get injured or a guy could not perform as well as we're expecting. That's kind of a bottom end of the roster guy anyway. So of course that can still happen, but I think there's just so many, I mean, 13 draft picks like this year, right? 13. Yeah. And like, there was plenty last year as well. And <laughs> right. Brian keeps his draft picks. Like last yep. year, Jonathan Ford made the team and he didn't, he didn't How? even like, how the field once, like, <laughs> and know. he made the roster. Like, and yeah. this was a complaint Aaron Rodgers has had many times, which was like, it, it, I think towards the bottom of the roster, it wasn't a meritocracy. Like, it was kind of like, well, you're a draft pick, so we're going to keep you on the roster, even if you don't play, even if we call up guys mm -hmm. from the practice squad who are going to play ahead of you. So, and I'm not saying that that's like, uh, sort of, that's the only reason Nichols would make the team because I do like his game. I think he's kind of right. like a, an upgrade almost of like a Patrick Taylor type. Like, he's kind of, like a bit of both he he's runs hard cool. man he runs hard i'll give him yeah that. he runs no hard like about it he's pretty no fun doubt. like he's he's got something so i think goodson i mean he was incredible in the preseason last year but i just don't know if you could ever be able to trust him in terms of like pass, pass protection stuff right. like that like right. um and i think maybe another year on the practice squad for him taylor maybe maybe on the practice squad again it might be the year where he just kind of like finally leaves because he's just been hanging around but not not really getting much of a chance like the whole these last what three years or so so right, um right. yeah so I have, I have Nichols but I like Goodson and Taylor if they end up on the practice squad I think I think it's a really good uh, running back room and then looking at wide receiver you have them keeping six it's funny to think back to so many summers of how many wide receivers are going to keep could they keep seven etc it seems so preordained this year with the six that you've kept in Romeo Dobbs Grant DuBose Jaden Reed Samore Torre Christian Watson and Dontavian Wicks all draft picks. And you even mentioned in your piece, leaving out Bo Melton is a tough call. To me, he's such a great unknown, right? I know yeah. there's obviously tons of college tape, but we have nothing as far as his pro career, you know, other than a handful of snaps in the preseason with Seattle. I'm really interested to see what he does in camp because I don't think like, like you put here, like the six seems pretty obvious, right? But I think Bo Melton could make it interesting if he has a good camp. I'm not saying that he's like, you know, and so so much of this comes down to special teams. But uh, I do think Bo is is the one kind of out, the, the one wild card here, so to speak. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was before before the draft and these three receivers got taken. That was kind of the the talk was, well, all you have is you have Watson, you have Dobbs, and you have some Torre, and that's kind of it. And like, I was like, well, we don't really know what Bo Melton is, but they, exactly. you know, they liked him enough. He was a draft pick the, the year before. Um, they right. claimed him off, off Seattle's practice squad. I think that that could almost play into the the dis why he could make it difficult as well is because if he does play well in the preseason and in training camp, they they plucked him off someone else's practice squad. So would they be concerned that if they put him on the practice squad, the same thing could someone happen? Someone might do the same, right? Is there a sentiment that he's a, a good player who should be on a on a fifty three somewhere? Um, 
And I know we always get dragged into that every year. Like, <laughs> right. Someone's going right. to get claimed and they never get claimed. No, so, no one ever does. Yeah. No, it's true. like never, that's ever true. happens. So like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's probably not a real concern, but th that's the thing. Like I felt bad, like leaving him off again. I don't even really know much about him, but it just felt like, oh, he's a guy who'll be like back of the roster. But you have six draft picks and all six of them, like, I know, I think, to, what, two two of them were a seventh round picks um, and one right. of them was a fifth round pick. But I liked all of them more than that. Like, I mean, Grant Dubose going in the seventh round to me was crazy. So, like, they're all good. They have six good football players, their receiver. So it's just going to be tough. Like, it's like, and if you have six, do you really need the seventh when you can kind of, like, you have enough. Call them up if you need them. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. can throw, throw out there and see who wins the battle, you know? Like, I don't think you need that seventh guy. I agree. Uh, and then you look at tight end. You have four on the roster in Tyler Davis, Josiah DeGuara, Tucker Craft, and Luke Musgrave, obviously the two rookies uh, and two vets. It's interesting. I was just talking about this uh, on our happy hour at Cheesehead TV the other day. It's going to be fascinating to see how they use Tyler Davis and Josiah DeGuara early in the year. I don't doubt for a second that that's probably how it shakes out. There are a couple of guys who could maybe make some noise, what have you, make it interesting. But man, I don't think you can be counting on those rookies early in the season. So it suddenly kind of puts Tyler Davis in a really important position, which is kind of nuts to me, given how poor he played last summer. He definitely came along in during the season. He really played much better. But all of a sudden, like Josiah DeGuara is your move guy. Tyler Davis is your inline guy. <laughs> like I like I and look and maybe that's how they start out week one, but I don't think it's going to be very long until Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, et cetera, are in the mix. But man, the history of the tight end position in the NFL would tell you it's going to take a little bit longer. So I, I, I agree with the four, but it's just kind of crazy to me that Tyler Davis is going to be your number one inline guy in Chicago week one. Yeah, I, th I think for Davis, the, the range of outcomes is massive. Like he could be, he could easily be like the, the first tight end thrown on the field, like, in week right. one, or he could not make the team. Like he might yeah. not make the team. There totally, is there totally is that possibility. Yeah. Um, I actually do think the two rookies are going to start ahead of him, just because I think even though the the inexperience is there, the talent is just the the difference is so much. Like it's it's crazy. Um, I think it'd be you'd be hard pressed, especially Kraft, who's got like kind of a well rounded game already. Um, right. You know, and again, it, it's how they swallow the playbook and how they how they digest it and. And how much they can they can take on before the season starts. And but even with Musgrave, I mean, he's such a like he's not one dimensional. But even if he doesn't have much of the playbook down, you can put him on the field and just say, just run up the seam. Like he's, right. he's going to be a threat, you know. Because of and the then see ball, get ball, and run with ball. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, he's going to so, make I some mean, hay, no doubt. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you got D Davis. I mean, he's going to have some competition to make the team, no doubt. I mean, Dubois is going to make the team because he's the the kind of H, uh, H back type type player. Um, but they have like three uh, former undrafted guys behind him, Austin Allen, Nick Gugamus and Cameron McDonald, who are like, I mean, what a group of just, that's a group of players. So we'll, <laughs> That is we'll a group see, of we'll players. See. That is true. That's a group of players that play for the Packers. Now, hey, so we'll you know, again, it's way too early prediction. We say all this yeah. and who knows, maybe we get to camp and one of them jumps out. Yeah. You never yeah. know. I mean, you never know. Austin Allen's like six foot eight. So maybe he's something. I don't know. He's big. Exactly. He's a big dude. There's zero doubt yeah. about that. Speaking of big dudes especially up front uh, with the offensive line, you have them keeping 10, which is their norm. That's traditionally what they like to do. Uh, numbers wise, you have Bakhtiari, Jake Hansen, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, <laughs> Royce Newman, Josh Nyman, Sean Ryan, John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom, and Rashid Walker. Rashid Walker, another dude who 
Well, he didn't do a whole lot last year, but he was on red the squad. Redshirt year, red yeah, year red in a big, year. big way. Um, you know, you mentioned in the piece, it, it's the first year uh, in quite some time that they didn't select an offensive lineman. Now, I know they did just take uh, or they got somebody off of waivers from Miami uh, yesterday, I believe. But you have to think of that. You know, that's probably the group. Um, I do yeah. think, you know, Caleb Jones is probably going to make a uh, make a case for himself at some point. But, yeah, I think that looking at it now in May, that makes the most sense. I think, you know, Royce Newman's probably the low man on that totem pole. And if there is a place where they swap somebody out, I think he's the guy. But 10 is definitely the number they're shooting for. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's just it's really difficult when you look at the offensive line group to not see 10 guys that all have NFL experience and right. then a bunch of projects. Like that's kind of the situation, especially like your, your Caleb Jones and your Luke Tanutas and people like that, that are just like massive human beings they brought in <laughs> that like right. aren't even their normal type of like offensive linemen. But it's just like, right. these guys are so big. If you can just like spend a couple of years coaching them up, kind of like what they did with, with Josh Nyman. In, in fact. That's what I've been saying. Like it, who's to say, right? I mean, we talk yeah. about these guys redshirting, but if Yash isn't the prototype for what you're looking for, as far as a guy who you didn't see hit the field for like two years until that week three game in San Francisco, and suddenly he's locking down the left tackle position. Now, I'm not saying he came in and was an all pro, but he played at an extremely high level and played for a stretch for a guy who like you knew nothing about public, like the public knew nothing about. They clearly knew what they had there, and there was a reason they held on to him. So I'm fascinated to see come training camp like if there is a guy in that group say tunuda or jones or whoever who maybe jumps up and jumps out and makes a case for you know inclusion in that kind of 10-man group but i do think 10 is the number i yeah. i just think you know injuries in in camp will probably go a long way of determining kind of the one or two at the bottom mostly yeah, 100 it's only a kick a jump a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Uh, and then we switch to the defensive side. you got the defensive line with six members uh, in Carl Brooks, Kenny Clark, Jonathan Ford, TJ Slayton, Colby Wooden, and Devontae Wyatt. Uh, clearly Jonathan Ford, another of the uh, red shirters that we were talking about. Who knows what you got there? going to be fascinating to see him kind of hit hit the ground running so to speak but i mean to me it's going to be fascinating to watch brooks and wooden the two draft picks how they how quickly they assimilate but yeah i i can't see you know some chris slayton i know played well in preseason last year but it wasn't good enough to get him on the roster i no. suspect it's probably the same fate this year most likely yeah i think i think he he's potentially a guy who could push definitely um you know like you say, he was here last year and he, and he did do well in preseason. And but again, there's there's draft picks, there's recent draft picks all over this this room. Um, but what I will say is, I mean, I look at the the defensive line depth chart and it's not. I don't love it. Like, it doesn't I, and inspire again, a ton of confidence. I hear you. No, I hear you. No, I think, I and you. look, we know they're going towards the youth movement, and it is what it is. Like, I'm I'm I'd happily see Carl Brooks get snaps instead of Dean Lowry at this point. Like, we don't we yes, don't sir. need that anymore. That's not where we are. But it's i mean you're putting a lot of trust in like if kenny clark goes down good lord that is not gonna be fun <laughs> we don't want to think about it we don't want to think about it i know you're right though i know justice over at acme packing company has uh written about and kind of pounded the table for the addition of a veteran defensive tackle and i mean i'm right there with him uh yeah. to your point yeah there's there's a lot of potential there but that's all it is and potential isn't uh, getting off the field on on third down. Uh, you need guys who can step up and play. I mean, look, they they clearly like the upside of these young guys. And as you said, it is a youth movement. But if there's a spot for me, especially now that they've, and we'll talk about safeties in a little bit, but now that they've kind of addressed safety multiple times this offseason, it's kind of interesting to me that they haven't really done much other than draft these two young bucks as far as the defensive line goes. I suspect if there's a place where Brian is still kind of looking around heading into camp, it's probably here. Yeah, 100%. And I think the, the interesting thing about it is so many of the, the group, especially the group that I have for making the team, uh, kind of like pass rush first, which is like, yeah. I get that that's like the way the league is. Like, that's the way we're going. I don't even necessarily think that's a bad thing. But, I mean, Slayton is is you kind of like your true no, nose tackle. Maybe yeah. Ford is the backup nose tackle. But then it's like, I mean, Wooden and Brooks – and Wyatt even. Wyatt didn't hold up great against the run last year, and we're expecting him, obviously, to be better this year. And he's, he is so disruptive that you have to get him on the field. But if you've suddenly got, two, like, let's say two of Wyatt, Wooden, and Brooks in there on, like, early downs because of injury or whatever it is, like, that's just not going to be a good situation, I don't think, this year. But yeah, we'll Visions see. of Philadelphia running for 600 yards this time rather than 300. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's dicey, to say the least. Uh, and then looking out on the edge, you've got four making it in Kingsley and Igbari. Justin Hollins, Preston Smith, and of course the first draft, the first round draft pick, Lucas Van Ness. Obviously, Rashawn Gary is going to start on PUP. It's 
going to be interesting to see how quickly they can get him back into the mix. PUP now only four weeks instead of six. So hopefully, you know, we can see some improvement. I know there's been talk about him being ahead of schedule, but who knows what that really means. Um, yeah, I think this is pretty straight up. I don't think that uh, none of these are a surprise. I think Hollins and Enigbari are the key for me because, you know, with yeah. Lucas Van Ness, you know, he's going to be kind of a, that ball of clay that you're molding and playing with his hair on fire and probably learning as he goes because he's going to have to play right away, unlike Rashawn Gary when he was a rookie. But yeah, those two, Enigbari and Hollins, who have played in this system, know what's being asked of them. They're going to be asked to play a lot of snaps early on. Like there's zero Yeah, 100%. There. This room's really interesting to me because guys are going to get cut that like we've seen quite a bit of over the last couple of years. Like like Jonathan Garvin isn't probably making this team. Like and we've no. we've and like I'm not saying that's I any think bad if, thing, but he's no. He's but if Jonathan Garvin's on this team, something's gone wrong. I mean, you've got to get better. You've got to get better. Agree. It kind of surprised me how straightforward it looked. And to be honest, like I was almost and we'll come to Stokes later, but I was thankful that like a couple of guys are probably not going to start the season like available on the roster because there was some just really tough decisions like cutting this thing down. Um, right. But yeah, I think the, the only guy who, probably the undrafted guy who has maybe the best chance to make the team uh, would be in the edge room and that's Brenton Cox from from Florida. I know he's been talked about quite a bit. He's exciting. Kind of a, he's he was a really talented oh, no. guy and um, yeah. it's so, so interesting because like he's been, obviously he's been kicked off, kicked off to major college programs um but it doesn't sound like any of them either of them were for anything particularly serious um we don't actually know why he got kicked out of florida it was like uh described as like an accumulation of things but when they had their pro day they invited him back to perform for the pro day so like he right. didn't fully burn the bridge and then he was like an academic all-american so it's just kind of like a an odd weird like, kind of mix right yeah and like the, the packers aren't aren't the kind of team to normally take chances on guys like this so you kind of have to trust them that they're kind of they're they're obviously comfortable with what what they know about well him. it's and, yeah it's, no doubt he's talented so he's got a chance right and it's similar to Devonte wyatt last year you know he had the off-field incident yeah. there in georgia and brian and company you know fully investigated it and you know, when you dig down into it, it's a little different than how it's portrayed in the clickbait world that we live in. Yeah. Um, but I, I very much agree. Cox has got a chance. There, there's zero doubt. And he's one of those. It's one of those situations where it's going to be fun to watch the one-on-ones in camp, and and of course the scrimmage and things of that nature. Then we get to inside backer, where you've got five making it. And I got to ask: Is this a product of? Are you thinking special teams here? Because like, or maybe it's just as you mentioned Stokes. Maybe it's because of you know easier. Kind of solutions elsewhere, but you have Devondre Campbell, Tariq Carpenter, Isaiah McDuffie, Quay Walker, and Eric Wilson all making the squad. Now, mm-hmm. I know Tariq's you know position change here kind of adds to that number, but five inside backers is an interesting uh, proposition. Yeah, I think I think this is one where I just couldn't really like make sense of it in terms of like the <laughs> first the first two guys. You know who your first two guys are, Campbell and Walker, right. and, and that's that's absolutely fine. And beyond that, right. it's like oh, like. I don't really know if I want any of these guys like on the field. Well, much. I think McDuffie like, played pretty fine, well in fine, spot duty know. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. But it was, it was, I guess, yeah. Carpenter changing positions an interesting one. Again, a draft pick from last year. I know he was a seventh rounder, but he he's kind of going to be. He's you can move him whatever position you want. He's a special. He's a teamer, special basically. teamer, exactly. So it's, it's right. kind of like, and and this is like something I've just tried to factor in a lot with this this season is, is special teams, and that's kind of why I have Wilson making it as well. I mean. They didn't 
need to bring him back. Like they could have they could have rolled into this thing with Campbell Walker, uh, McDuffie, and if they knew Carpenter was going to change position, but they they brought him back. You know, they they re-signed him. Obviously, not for much money at all, but they did. And he's a key special teams guy. So it was kind of a when you do, when I could because I don't have a lot of faith in the guys behind the the, the top two. It was kind of <laughs> right. like let's have more of them, and then just kind of like hope sure. one of them yep. sticks. Like you know, so yeah. But well, definitely, and- definitely, I could see the only being four hundred percent. But I think your your reasoning is spot on in the sense that this is a young team, right? Like this is a very young team. It's going to be one of the, if not the youngest on average in the league, right? And what do we know? Not only in Green Bay, but often throughout the NFL. I mean, more often than not, your pathway to the roster is through special teams. And if these guys are the best teamers, and like, especially with Carpenter and Wilson, they absolutely are. They have the pelts on the wall last year. Uh, Yeah, there's a good case to be made that they're probably making the team. So I like five jumps out at you is like, that's a lot of inside backers, but it makes sense with the kind of complete picture rather than just looking at the individual position. Uh, And then we get to cornerback and you've got Jair, Rasul, Shamar Jean Charles lives. Yeah. Keyshawn Nixon and Carrington (laughs) Valentine, the the draft pick. Man, Shamar Jean Charles is such an interesting proposition to me just because I every summer I think he looks promising. And then the yeah. year, the season unfolds, and he never, ever gets on the field. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what it is, but they clearly do not trust him. And I know some of it, he's been injured, whatever. But even when he's healthy, he has not been thrown out there in any capacity, not any real world. No, he's such an interesting player because I remember when they drafted him, I think it was the fifth round like two years ago now, I think it was. And um, yep. Brian basically admitted because his like athletic testing was not good, like at all. Yeah. Like it was really bad. Right. And, and I think he he basically admitted that this was a guy that like all the scouts were like pounding the table for because he's just such like a good player. Like they were just like it was basically right. we're going to take a gamble, we're going to do something we don't yes. normally do, and it's and a fifth like, rounder. So go yeah, ahead, you know, one hundred percent, and just gamble on like the production and gamble on the tape, basically. Um, which is fine. But then, yeah, he just hasn't seen the field at all. It's bizarre. Um, it's bizarre. It's so weird. I think, I think he played no. like a handful of snaps at safety last season. I think that's like yep. the only thing he did. And so, that was an emergency kind of thing where he like, they they just didn't have bodies yeah, and they needed someone else. It was like, just go out there and, and do your best. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's, again, I, just, I don't really have a good feel for him at all, whether he's going to make the team or not. Um, but again, I'm just kind of banking on that he was a draft pick. They have, exactly. they've stuck with him this long kind of thing. And and yep. I don't see, you know, a ton of guys on the roster that are going to beat him out. Um, and I don't think you can go into the season assuming that Stokes isn't going to be on the roster in week one, um, be right. on, on Pup or on uh, IR. I don't think you can go in with four. Like, you can't start the season with four corners. Like, if nope. you get, if you have one injury... And suddenly you're in nickel. Then you have yeah. No the cas- this cascading effect is too great. Yeah, yeah you can't you can't there's, do there's it. No so, I mean, so I mean, the guys he's competing with, uh, Shamara, Ballantyne, Ford, Franklin, Hooper, Thomas, like Keandre Thomas. Like again, this this is one where I think that will be a true competition. I think if if Jean Charles is just not good this this summer, there's going to be a guy that'll take his spot. Like because probably once right. you've been in the system like two years, it's kind of like maybe the, the effect of being the draft pick kind of fades a little bit. So I sure, think we'll, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's probably a really true position battle. But right for right now, I'm just banking on that. He was a draft pick. They liked him enough to take him in the fifth round. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. He, he's like a backup nickel, I guess, like backup for Keyshawn. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I he did a lot of he did a lot of work in the slot 
the last two summers. So, you know, I know I he's got experience there, but he hasn't really ever been given a shot. And we just had Joe Barry talking about how Keyshawn Nixon is going to be locking it down at yeah. the kind of nickel slot corner spot. So sounds like his weight continues. Uh, and then we get to safety, which is just kind of the most fascinating part of this roster for me, especially with the additions throughout the offseason. Uh, you've got five making it in Rudy Ford, Anthony Johnson Jr., Dallin Levitt, Jonathan Owens, and Darnell Savage. Savage clearly on the fifth-year option, which they have now adjusted, but he is the nominal starter. It was interesting yesterday hearing Joe Barry be asked about, oh, well, Darnell Savage is clearly your starter. Who, you know, what's the competition going to be like across from him? And I wanted to say, and Joe didn't really go there, but I wanted to say, are we sure Darnell Savage is the starter? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the man did lose his job last year. The man yeah. literally was benched. And, and I'm not saying that to he's... Rudy Ford. Like, to, he Rudy Ford. to Rudy Ford. Like, you know, so I'm I, like, look, I hope he comes out and just balls out and takes yeah. that spot and is the man. But what are we looking at that tells us, oh, yes, of course, Darnell Savage is clearly the starter. Like, yeah. in what world is that preordained? So uh, I, I, I think, look, I would not be surprised sitting here today in May. You talk about way too early predictions. I wouldn't be surprised if like, Anthony Johnson and Jonathan Owens were the starters. Yeah. It would not surprise me. Now, I'm not predicting that, but it could happen. Yeah. And Darnell Savage comes in as your nickel dude and it comes in on some of those dime looks where they have the safety near the box and blah, blah, blah. Entirely possible. What mm -hmm. world has Darnell Savage lived in where he is given that spot? Like no. that to me is, is what makes this position so fascinating. I, I think the, the only thing that kind of, makes me think he definitely will have the chance well it depends how yeah. how much i think sad. like don't get me don't get me twisted uh, he'll yeah. definitely be out there he'll with the, the ones the first day of yeah. camp yes yeah but i'm not saying he's going to automatically hold on to it yeah but in terms of like being on the field i think it depends how much uh brian has to start that because right. i think personally it's your first round draft pick He's on his fifth year option. This is the last chance. Like this is his yes. last chance to, to basically prove that the first round pick was not a waste, that it wasn't a bust. So it's like, he's going to want to see him on the field all year and give him every <laughs> single chance to be good. Like, please be right. good because he doesn't, this would be the first, I believe the first, first round pick he's had that he wouldn't renew his contract. Like that he would just, right. and that happens to everybody, obviously, but it's not something you want to happen. So, but if, if obviously, yeah, if he gets to training camp and he, he's not, this guy, he's not necessarily going to play, but it's it's just so interesting because this 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 the safety depth chart. This was like honestly driving me insane. Like like <laughs> who who the hell do you pick to go? Like because they're all like I wrote in the piece. Like they're all mid. Like they just there's no there's nothing really breaking them apart. Like there's I, I honestly and at one point I had like six guys on there. It's like well I can't keep six of them. They're not good enough. To six keep mids. Six. But, <laughs> right. Yeah, like you can't do that, but. But then it's like, well, which one, which one do you get rid of? So in the end, I got right. rid of uh, Talvarius Moore, who I know they only just picked up. Um, so that that essentially came down to he's not played much on defense uh, in his career. And you've got kind of like mm. Savage and they just picked up Jonathan Owens, who's played quite a lot on defense. Not that well, but he's played a lot on defense. So you kind of think that's he would be ahead of him in that sense. And then if, if you're talking about special teams, He's competing with Dallin Levitt, who's like the most Basaccia guy ever. Like he's like the right. king of special teams. So it's like that's where I can. And also he 
in the end, I was I was looking up. This is how deep I went with this. I was just looking at like oh the God. guaranteed money that all of these back end safeties got this this in right. their contracts in their one sure. year contract. And he got like fifty thousand dollars, and uh, Levitt got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So I was like, "Well, there you go. That can be the separate." <laughs> so I mean, that makes sense. That makes perfect yeah. sense. I think Moore is an interesting case. I do think he was played a bit out of position with San Francisco in twenty twenty two, but that doesn't mean he's going to come to Green Bay and start balling out. That said, the bar is not exactly high in Green Bay. Nope. Like if you're just competent and see the ball, get the ball, and make straight lines to the ball carrier and tackle efficiently and don't miss tackles and are in the right position you're probably ahead of a lot of the competition so if more comes in and just does that he's probably going to make a case for sticking on the 53 but to your point yes the guaranteed money but also the special teams play that's most likely what's going to separate this group um 100%. i suspect more finds a way onto this roster but we will see yeah uh, and then tough. with a special with a specialist you've got carlson o'donnell and orzek the 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 long snapper battle um, I know they did uh, reportedly or supposedly, I guess, uh, just signed a punter just yesterday. Yes, um, they haven't made that official yet, but uh, I think probably it's Pat O'Donnell. I think it's definitely going to be Carlson. Um, it is interesting that Basaccia kept the Mason Crosby line open, though. Uh, I yes, think, you know, if you're the Packers, you're smart to do that because you don't want to get down the road with Carlson and he gets the yips or whatever or isn't the answer, or especially like you get midseason and it starts to get cold and all of a sudden this guy can't hit it. Yeah, you want Mason Crosby on speed dial. I don't think that yeah. I don't think that's a mystery. Like no, hundred percent. I, I think I think the way they've played that, I know, I know it's been frustrating for some people that they won't just kind of say one way one way or the other, like, yeah, we're we're done with, with Crosby. But I just don't see what the benefit of them saying that is. There's zero 100%. benefit to it. Like it's it's just right. if you suddenly need a kicker, like you're dead. Let's say this team's better than we think it is, and it's like week 10 and they're on mm -hmm. course for the playoffs and their kickers out for the year and they need someone they can trust suddenly like there's no benefit to having said back in may um yeah we're, actually we're done. done we're moving we're done on with Mason blah, blah, Crosby. Blah, blah. we've right. got no interest right. in, in in him coming back so i don't expect him to come back um carson i mean there's now with whelan uh the punter added there's there's competition <laughs> competition at all at yeah. all, the, all the specialist spots now i mean like yep you know, from from all accounts, I don't really claim to know this myself, but uh, Parker White, the second kicker, has kind of outperformed Carlson in college. But but Carlson was literally made with uh, the pick was made with Rich Versace in mind. Versace so in mind, right? Unless he's unless he's absolutely terrible, I can't see him not not being the kicker. O'Donnell, I think whoever you bring in that's a young guy just isn't going to beat him out. I just can't see he's he's a solid NFL punter. He's been there and done it. And then long snapper battle. I mean, we have every year it feels like we have. Ryan loves his long snapper battles, man. He, he, he loves does, that man. shit. He loves it. I mean, is it Domovsky that does the like the times the hang time on punts yes, every year? That in, is, that is Rob's mean, game. We need no we need a media member to be like fully tracking this the long snapping. Like, where's like is it, is one high? Is it low? Like, we need right. we need a, we need targets. Yes, yeah, like a heat map yeah. where they're going. Yes, 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'll I get have, on that. No doubt. Yeah, I have Orzik just because he's experienced and they they signed him, they paid him a, a bit of money. So I think it, that's, exactly. that's the answer. And he's a world champion, so of course you got to you got to you got to oh, you got to bring exactly. him along. He's got a ring. There you go. What what better separator? Uh, Mark, oh, I can't thank you enough for uh, for breaking down the roster with me here in mid May because what the hell else are we going to do? Uh, you can check out Mark's piece at cheeseheadtv.com. Like I said, the link will be in the description. No problem. Video. Man. Appreciate it.